You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, sitting in a different spot than I've been sitting in uh, recently, but I'm joined alongside, right next to me, I can reach out and punch him, Chris Trevino. Punch me? No, I would just say, right here, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> we got Shotgun uh, over there remotely. I guess it's that way. Am I pointing the right way now? I think, yeah, perfect. Uh, and then we have some help in the studio, newuscfootball.com. Intern Jack Smith, you want to pull up your little window, Jack, if you want to, and uh, say hi to the folks out there. Hi, Trojan fans, and I'm happy to be joining you guys. Pleasure to be joined uh, by Chris and Ryan and, and Shotgun. Excited to have a pretty good episode today. Glad to be joining. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on and helping us out. So so Jack's going to be running the board, which kind of helps freeze us up to do a little more hosting things, because sometimes I'm trying to host and do you know pull up your comments and all that, but he will be monitor monitoring your Facebook and YouTube comments if you're watching on either of those platforms. And uh, thanks for watching on Twitter if you're watching there live, and if you're watching the replay, you're going to get to see some of the live comments that were coming on uh, during the broadcast, and we'll put up a bunch of questions uh, for you as well. We are we're going to get back to doing live calls. We're just not going to do it this week since this is like Jack's first time, and I was kind of setting everything up to get it all together. But we got the new format down now. Chris and I sitting next to each other. Chris, are you excited? You seem like you're excited. I'm <laughs> static. Ryan. Well, it's the end of fall camp. Fall camp is officially over. Classes start tomorrow morning on the USC campus. So USC will be back at it. All the players and not the coaches. The players will be going back to school. Uh, unless you're a graduate student, I guess. If you're a GA, you'll be going back to school too. But the players are going back to school. We're going to have a regular sort of uh, game week practice schedule now. There'll be Tuesday morning practices. We can go check out for a little bit, talk to offensive players. Wednesday afternoon practices. And then we'll just get a Zoom call with Lincoln Riley. So this is sort of, I don't know if they're going to call it mock game week, but it'll be, you know, a, a sort of like a similar thing to next week. There's, what, 13 days left until the season starts, so it'll be kind of a prep week this week, and then they'll get into complete rice preparation next week. There'll be a lot of scout team stuff that we won't be able to watch, but it's we're now, like, into the regular kind of getting ready for the season, and fall camp is left behind, so Chris, maybe start with you. Any initial thoughts from what the fall camp 2022 was. Yeah, it's, I got some a, initial thoughts. You got some thoughts? I, I heard or? you were talking to Mad Smack last episode. Really? About what? <laughs> what do you mean? You said I was what did at I the say? top of the show. You don't remember? You were talking all that smack about me. Oh, yeah. That was, Wally we're, we're, Pip. We were just having fun. Uh, last week, we had RJ Abadia stepping in because Chris had a prior engagement. Here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, he was very popular. I, RJ was very yeah. popular on the show. Here's yeah. the thing. I didn't have a prior engagement. I lied because <laughs> I wanted to get Wally Pipped. And yet here I am back again. I 
did my best to get my Sunday nights back, but I'm still here, so right, it didn't work. You you work like eight days a week anyway, right? You're just a, you're just a hard worker. What's, uh, what's another two hours of my life? But you want to talk about fall camp? We got to talk about fall camp. What we do, do you, love that you are the show, Chris. We love it. You know, RJ makes, was great. That too. makes two of us. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Well, all of us, all the people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what what were your thoughts coming out of fall camp? I, I think overall, I just I think USC number one for me, just because I look at this a lot. It's USC came out pretty unscathed when you look at injuries. Obviously, fall camp, you know, it's kind of your most physical time, you know, going into a season, just being uh, like a month away. And you look across the country and there's injuries happen to a bunch of key players all across the country. And USC, you know, knock on wood, they managed to come out unscathed. Jude Wolf having a foot surgery that's only going to keep him out about half of the year is the most significant injury that they had. And they have some bumps and bruises, you know, kind of those things, but nothing that you're looking at and says, oh, this person is going to be out for, uh, they're going to be missing for the opener or missing beyond that besides Jude Wolf. So I think first and foremost, they got a lot, they they came out healthy. And I think that's really important, especially when, you know, Lincoln Riley did a lot of live scrimmaging. They just had their second scrimmage on Saturday to close out thing. But, you know, something Sean Newis said is like, our live periods are like our normal periods. So they were going after it a lot this camp. So I think that's kind of the first and foremost thing is that they came out pretty unscathed. And I think that's a good thing, you know, with two weeks left to the season. Yeah. Like there are a lot of times when you're talking about fall camp stuff, it's, oh, this injury, that injury. And really they only like the Jude Wolf one was significant. We've seen some guys, you know, miss some time. A guy like Romello height, I think he's important because he's probably going to end up being your day one starter at a very important position at the rush end spot. You know, it just seems like it's one of those things where they know what he can do. He's proven himself. There's some limitations there. But, you know, guys like Corey Foreman, you would have liked to see them out there more. He missed about two weeks of of the camp. He was in practice, you know, in pads on he Saturday. He virtually all of it, right? Yeah. So he was back in pads. and I, But someone like that kind of needs to prove himself. So we'll see. I mean, as long as, you know, there, there's some spots, I think, where they're thinner. Certainly the rush end spot, we saw some a little thinness, I guess you can say there. But... Overall, I mean, I think the depth in the secondary is a lot better. The linebacker depth is better. The defensive line depth uh, is better on the offensive side, too. I think there's, you know, as deep as you could be at wide receiver, probably, with the, the kind of talent they have. And, uh, you know, you don't have that many running back bodies, but until a couple, you know, if a couple guys get hurt, I think you'd be concerned. But at, until then, uh, you know, maybe at the tight end spot, we don't even know what how those are going to be, you know, those are going to be utilized and stuff. And, uh, you know, if a Caleb Williams goes down, you're okay with Miller Moss, but you know, there's only a couple guys there too. So there's, there's some spots, uh, on the offensive line, you know, we're going to talk about that, the position battles and stuff. I think seven, eight guys, I think they pr- feel pretty confident in, but after that, you know, same sort of thing. You're like, you're not that concerned. You know, there's some concerns there as far as depth goes, but overall it lo- looks a lot better in the spring. Shoddy, uh, any thoughts that you got coming out of uh, spring football? Fall football. I, I hate to... Fall football. Sorry. It's fall, fall camp. I hate that they say, oh, fall camp's over. There's still two more weeks of the season. There's still position battles going on. It's just you're not being on campus. Camp is over. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's still 
almost half the preseason practices still to go. I think they have 10 left. At, I think what was yesterday, 14. Um, so you're allowed 25 before the beginning of the season, I believe is the correct number. So, you know, I don't like when they turn me like, oh, camp's over. Like, uh, okay, you're going to play tomorrow? No. You're going to play in two weeks? You still got two weeks of buildup to go? Okay, then, then your camp's not really over. Uh, that's just my opinion on, you know, the semantics of the, the terminology there. But, um, you, you know, I think – like Chris said, the big thing is there's no injuries, significant injuries, season-ending ones, and in particularly you don't you didn't have a spate of injuries at one position, even the smaller ones. Now maybe you want to look at rush in and say that is an one position where you've had some guys banged up, and you hope that everyone gets healthy by the time uh, the, the 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 season starts, but. You can move someone, you know, pitcher Tuli Tuli Pelotu there. He can move out to rush in. You can, you know, can manipulate that position a little bit differently. Uh, but no significant injuries to the offensive line, which is a, a position where the depth is a question mark. No significant injuries to a quarterback. No significant injury to a running back. So those positions where you're already a little thin on the talented depth, um, I think it's really big that they were able to to avoid any injuries there. Now, you still got to make it these next two weeks as well. Um, like I said, this camp is not over, but so far, so good in that regard. And, uh, you know, I think we're starting to see some players break out a little bit. And I think it was interesting to see, hear the names that Lincoln Riley said have made the biggest jump from spring until fall and how one of those was Sierra Wright and is a guy whose name has come up multiple times you know in this preseason uh the whether it be the media can media practice or the media uh availability that we had with them or after the practices so far so that's going to be a, it's still a very intriguing um battle right there for that second quarterback spot outside of makai blackman so I, I think it's been uh you know really interesting to see that sierra rice name came up once again along with mason murphy along with zamarian gordon were the three players that uh that uh, you know lincoln riley pointed out initially yesterday yeah, good stuff, Shotgun. Uh, the the uh, as far as the depth and stuff goes, we were talking about some of the different spots. Sierra Wright, it's a deeper cornerback group, but the fact that he's emerged as uh, as one of the guys that's getting first team reps is really interesting to me, especially because there seemed to be that like kind of rift between him and Dante Williams in the spring. That seems to be over now. His acting career, you know, he's doing he's doing good stuff there, but he seems to be doing good stuff on the field. So that'll be interesting to watch. But um, he talked about. You know, Lincoln Riley on Saturday talked about uh, some rotations that he was planning on doing. If you remember, we talked to Josh Henson, the offensive line coach, offensive coordinator at the uh, USC Media Day. And he, he talked about, remember when he was at Missouri, that they had uh, like five veteran guys and then they actually rotated in like three younger guys. And all three of those guys ended up being NFL players down the road, but they got them some opportunities. And I don't know if they have enough depth there to do that. We might, you know, I think there's some guys that they like. You might see that, but he specifically talked about, you know, rotating at the wide receiver spot, which makes sense. You know, you got a lot of wide receivers; those guys rotate in and out. But he wants to see on the defensive line. He feels like there's enough depth to do that there. Um, so I think you know, you it's something I think it's common because you want to keep guys fresh, but also in the secondary being out there. That's not you know, Brian Odom said there's no rotation, right? He's going to pick his guys and you're going to go with them. There'll be different. Um, you know, you're targeting different things at, at different times. You might have different, you know, groups of guys on the on the at the linebacker spot, but in the secondary as well, doing some sort of rotation. So maybe you see a guy come in at nickel on different downs and, uh, you know, rotating safeties and things like that. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, Chris. Some of the rotations he planned on uh, on using. 
Yeah, the cornerback is interesting, but it's not like we haven't seen that before. Obviously, when Isaac Taylor Stewart, Elijah Griffin, and Chris Steele were here, you know, they had sort of a three-headed starting rotation, three-headed starter rotation with those three guys. So it's not all that uh, unique in that sense. So I'm not surprised that they're doing it. I mean, Makai Blackman, I think overall, is just your number one starting cornerback. He's the guy you're going to kind of put with their with their top receiver. Riley shouted him out again for being one of their defensive standouts. So I'm not surprised with him kind of being that that stud, that veteran guy there. And then you kind of, you know, search for that that too deep, whether it's, you know, Sierra Wright obviously been holding down the other side. Uh, Prophet Brown, Jacoby Covington has really made strides uh, moving up with the moving up onto the two deep. And Josh Jackson, who, you know, didn't miss out on spring a little bit, but he's back now. And he I saw him working with the twos as well. So he got kind of like looking good. Yeah, I think we have a picture of him, Jack. If you want to throw him up there, I, I think yeah, he's a uh, he's he's pretty ripped, right? He's he's yoked a little bit, you know. He's a little yoked yeah. for that uh, that cornerback spot for that cornerback position. But you kind of have like five guys there that you're kind of just searching to get that that too deep. And if they're talented and they're making plays, especially how this defense uses defensive backs, you know, Grinch mentioned, you know, it's not about who's playing free safety, or who's playing strong safety or nickel. It's like we're gonna put the five best defensive backs on the field so seems like they're still looking for that and trying to get that too deep settle but I, I i'm not opposed to seeing you know a little bit of rotation especially when they have some talent but young talent that needs to get playing time they need to get some reps yeah yeah and we've seen this in the past with, with talented players not just the rotation you spoke of with the cornerbacks but rotations where you have two established starters or two guys that are the definite first two guys at a position at cornerbacks at safeties whatever it may be but you want to get a talented young guy in there so Damani Jackson you know I expect him to be get, get some playing time whether it be one series in the first game two series in the first game, and then as the season progressed, maybe he takes a couple more. And that's something we saw with Adoree Jackson, something we saw with Iman Marshall when they came in as five-star cornerbacks, as true freshmen getting those opportunities. And so you want to see those guys. And, you know, you, you want to see, you know, if Eric Gentry doesn't start at a, a middle linebacker position, you want to see him in there getting some playing time because he's only going to grow and get better at a position that he didn't play last season when he's on the field and getting that opportunity. Same thing with Corey Foreman. You're going to want to try to get him in the rotation, even even if he's not starting. So those young, talented players that you think can become dudes for you, you've got to get them opportunities early. And, you know, besides when you can blow someone out and they get some chances at the end of a game, you want to see those guys. If you think that they're, you know, really talented and going to be players for you down the road, you want to try to get them and work them in to the general flow of the game, similar to a guy like Ray John Davis uh, in the photo there. Want to see him on the field and get him at least some snaps so he can get a feel for the game a little bit more and for his assignments, um, especially when you can play Rice and when you play Fresno State in week three, you want to get those guys in there uh, because even if they make a mistake, you feel like you can you overcome that against those type of opponents. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I was going to say cornerback is definitely one of those positions where it's baptism by fire. You just got to throw them in there at some point because – you're it's an you're sometimes you're on an island out there and you know you're under a microscope and when you get beat people know that you got beat so yeah you you got to get out there and just rip the bandit off you know they're never going to be ready ready they're going to make mistakes and we've seen even Kalen Bullock made a lot of mistakes last year but you saw that talent and they have a lot of talented cornerbacks and they need to get them out there whether there's some growing pains there will be this is a young secondary but you need to get them some time you need to get them some experience and most of all you need to get them some confidence yeah for sure uh, I saw um Jack, thanks for putting up. But Mark had a comment. He said the helmet's back. Yeah, yes. Uh, back. So and so people ask sometimes about like 
Yeah, Nicole was was doing a great job. Jack's basically taking over the job that she was doing before. She you know, she graduated from USC, got a job uh, in, in the Waco market. So she's covering Baylor football and high school football in the Waco area. But she had borrowed the helmet for a photo shoot for her graduation. And I I met her mom and uh, got to, she got it back. So she, she's gone now. But we so we, we've connected. We got the helmet back. So it's back. And then also make sure you smash that like button. You got to get a like, like, like. We need some more likes there on the YouTube page or whatever you're watching. If you're on you uh, Facebook or on the tweets, you can like the tweet and all that kind of stuff. Are we still on Periscope? It's not Periscope. It's Twitter Live now. Okay. Um, and, you know, we get some people watching on the Twitter Live too. So it comes right up on our Twitter. Yeah, but we're live on all three platforms all at once. Uh, we do have your live comments. If you're watching live, we will put this up in podcast form afterwards. So if you listen to our podcast feed, if you're listening to this now, that's that's where that comes from. Uh, yeah, and we we try to do all those things. We try to reach you in as, uh, as many ways as we can. The next evolution needs to be Twitter Spaces. Twitter Spaces. We could do that live too. Live on Twitter Spaces. I haven't done the Twitter Spaces. We, we could do. I mean, there's no reason we couldn't just do this live on Twitter Spaces. But we're not. We would be holding the feed the whole time, right? Twitter Spaces. You kind of hand off the mic. It would just which be is dangerous, mic. which is dangerous. We, yeah, would, we would never, we can never hand off the mic. No, because we're our, this is a produced show. Yeah. Like Twitter Spaces is more just kind of like off the cuff kind of thing, from what I understand. But um, yeah, but anyway, but thank you for doing all that. But we'll put that up, and then next week we will start taking live calls again. I think the schedule is going to be Thursday night shows, previews, and uh, Sunday night shows uh, recaps. So we'll we'll be doing all that kind of stuff. So should be a lot of fun. I want to talk a little about position battles too. Um, you can, we kind of talked about some of the secondary stuff. The main one being, and you know, Lincoln Riley talked about this. Uh, it seems like Jonah Monheim is the number one guy at the right tackle spot. You know, the veterans in the middle with Andrew Voorhees, uh, Brett Nealon, and Justin Dietrich. Then at the left tackle spot, we didn't get to see Bobby Haskins because of the injury in the spring, but he's come on strong. It seems like battling with Cortland Ford, who looks really good to me. I've taken some pictures of him. Shoddy's great camera. It's fun. By the way, you know, taking Shotty's camera, it's like makes it look like, she, it look like a good photographer. He looks good. I mean, uh, Crowley Ford makes the camera look good. He's just looking good. Uh, but any, I want to get you guys' thoughts on that left tackle spot. The loser of that might end up over at right tackle. I don't. We're not sure, but it seems like it's a pretty and you know, as far as position battles go, it seems like it's the most intense one right now. Chris, get your thoughts, and we'll get Shotty's too. Yeah, I mean, coming into fall camp and even spring camp, you know, prior to the news of Haskins' injury, the left tackle was the most important job that you need you needed settled um, on offense, and then arguably the entire team as well, just because obviously you need to protect Caleb Williams, so Caleb Williams can do Caleb Williams thing, Caleb Williams things. Um, obviously, he's a dual threat; he's got the ability to move, but. That can't save you all the time, and you need to be able to protect him, keep him upright. And they have, obviously, a veteran offensive line, but Haskins was also a big pickup. Maybe not the sexiest addition for this team, but I think it's going to be a critical one just because he's a guy who has left tackle experience, and he's a guy who's a veteran. He's a guy who's mean. He's got some size at six foot seven. So not having him in the spring was big, but now that he's here healthy, you know, trying to get back up to speed, really, it would give Cortland a chance to, one, take his game to the next level with that competition, pushing him and hopefully lock it down, or you're going to get a veteran, a veteran guy with experience starting your left tackle. So I think either way, USC wins and then whoever loses out, maybe they're going to the right tackle. I'm surprised that even Lincoln did kind of like, he pretty much said, you know, Voorhees, Brett Nealon, uh, Justin Dietrich, Jonah Monheim, 
they've kind of more or less said those are your kind of your starters right now. But he did leave that door open with that comment about, you know, Ford or Haskins. They're smart enough. They have the ability to play another position possibly. And it's not going to be left guard. It's not going to be center. I don't think it's going to be right guard. So naturally, you're looking at possibly Monheim having to compete again to lock down that right tackle job. So it's going to be interesting and the ripple effects of it. Just from what I've seen in camp, it kind of looks like Ford has the slight edge just because Haskins has to catch up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so right now I'd probably be leaning towards Ford being your your opening starter at left tackle. But two weeks left. A lot can happen in two weeks. We don't get to see the full practices, so maybe we're getting rope-a-doped a little bit. Maybe they're, uh, they're putting Haskins <laughs> in once we leave. I don't know. And maybe they're putting Ford at right. I don't know, so we'll see. But I would say, just based on what I've seen, I feel like Ford probably has the slightest edge going into these last two weeks. What about Shoddy? What do you think? Yeah, I think that Ford's got the advantage here. I think you'll see both guys in game one. I think that's something that Haskins – the question will be – I think Jonah Monheim has got the right spot locked up too. I don't think whoever loses that left is going to overcome him. But the question for me will be if Haskins – is the guy that doesn't win the job, do we then see him kind of do play a little bit of both in the first game? Say, hey, let's get you some time at right tackle as well. Because, um, in again, this goes back to, you know, the media not being able to see the full practice. We don't know how much he's been working at right or if he's strictly been at left and say, and they just trust that, hey, either him or Corton Ford can play right if need be. But I, I think it'll be interesting that first game, and that'll be another thing I'll be watching for is what's the rotation of Bobby Haskins, whether he's a starter, whether he's, you know, a backup, where does he go? Does he stick solely at one spot? Is he bouncing back and forth? How many series does he get if he's not the starter? He's gonna he's one of the guys on offense, I think, is the, the most intriguing outside of the skill positions with the wide receivers. I just think it's going to be really fun to see who has completely emerged and how many times they rotate those guys, how often, you know, can they let guys get into a, you know, a good flow of the game type of thing. I don't know. I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be interesting at the wide receiver position. But otherwise, I think the, the one spot is that left tackle and Bobby Haskins, what he kind of does. Yeah. Uh, one of the other spots, you know, we talked about the linebackers not having uh, a rotation. So there's, you know, could be some battles and stuff there. I think Racer X had a question on uh, YouTube about what do you think the starting linebacker rotation would be? Well, one, there's not going to be a rotation. I mean, not rotation. Okay. Start, well, yeah, yeah. The, well, yeah, based on Odom's comments, starters are going to be starters. They're going to play. So he, he's not a big on rotating. So whoever's, you know, number one, I feel pretty confident that Shane Lee is going to occupy one of those starting spots. Yeah. You know, since he walked in day one, his impact has been felt on the field and off the field in the locker room and the weight room and stuff like that. So I think that guy's a team captain candidate, and I think he's pretty much more or less locked it down unless he's not healthy. And he did seem to be banged up a little bit in fall camp. Um, there were some practices he did not come out in pads or he seemed limited based on stuff we saw after practice. But I would say number 53 is a, is a pencil in for the starting lineup if healthy. And that other one is a little bit uh, intriguing. Obviously, Raylan Goforth, I think, has had a really re had a really good spring. Really good summer, and it seems like he's been holding it down for that that uh, that weak side linebacker spot, that other spot. And he looks bigger, he looks faster, and these are things that he talked about in the spring. But again, we can't see full practice because we can only see really that that first kind of team pursuit drill. Yeah. And as far as I've seen, Raylan has been 
the number one guy there. Yeah. But I don't know if you saw that next to Shane Lee. But if yeah. you but yeah, if you if you saw sort of the 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 Twitter Twitter theory, you know, uh, Eric Gentry's mom was you know getting into some fans on, on social media talking about how Eric's been running with the ones every practice since uh, since the first couple ones. So that that's interesting. Uh, to, to see it out, maybe she's mistaken, but I don't think she's mistaken. So it's probably when we we get we leave the room, or excuse me, the room when we leave the field. Maybe Eric Gentry is getting a lot of, a lot more one uh, rotation, first team rotation than uh, than we're we're led on to believe because he's consistently been over the last several weeks after the first practices that we saw been running with the second team. So I don't know. I right now I would probably say Raylan Goforth and Shane Lee, but Eric Gentry's coming. Yeah, I would say that. What do you think, Shadi? I mean, this is also a mom who is not at practice either, so it's not like she's watching it. She's getting secondhand information on that. Um, the clips that we've seen of Eric Gentry, including his interception in last Sunday's um, scrimmage, he was running what it appeared to be the second team. You know, you're looking at some of the other players that are in the highlight clip on the defensive side, those second team players. Now, he's a guy that I know that you want to get some opportunities for. So even though Brian Odom said that, you know, the first team guys are the first team guys, I think that's a guy that you want to get some playing time for, uh, especially in those non-conference games when you have an opportunity early in the season. So I think he'll he'll be a guy if he doesn't start, and you know I think that I think that's going to be determined by Shane Lee's health. As long as Shane Lee is healthy, I think he'll get the start. And then I think right now I, I think Goforth is the guy that's been you know leading the charge there with the first team at the other spot. So if Shane Lee is healthy, then I think Gentry is a second-team guy, but I think he's a guy you want to try to get in there and get some opportunities, get some experience playing inside linebacker after you played on the edge last season at Arizona State. Uh, there was a little kind of newsy stuff. USC uh, Athletics put out a tweet today, and I didn't really know this was even going on. I got a, a text from someone I know that covers uh, University of Tennessee football and was asking about why is USC um, blocking – you know, Brew McCoy from being eligible to play. There was some sort of Twitter campaign. I didn't see a lot of prominent people tweeting, but there were like a lot of bots or people with like no followers that were kind of... Because you're above it. I'm out, I'm down there in the mud. Are you in the mud? I'm was with, there a lot I'm of mud? I'm with the little Twitter pigs, baby. I'm rolling around with them. Were you rolling with I, the Twitter I'm, pigs? I had people uh, messaging me, or not messaging me, but tweeting at me like like me personally like why don't you sign it? Why are you blocking? Why did you block I, Brew McCoy? I told Chris? him I, I, I cleared it. So check his email. I so told Chris him. apparently was block blocking Brew McCoy. Yeah. Uh, no, but USC put out a statement uh, today, and I can I can pull it up here and uh, oops, sorry, read it for you guys. I think uh, you know we'll have it up on the screen. Um, USC has consistent with NCAA rules, promptly and accurately responded to all requests from the University of Tennessee related to the eligibility of Brew McCoy. At no point since Brew entered the transfer portal in January. Have we objected to him being made immediately eligible to play at Tennessee? The issue of Brew's eligibility ultimately rests with the NCAA, and we wish him the very best. So it's basically like, hey, man, A and us, we're not doing anything. We're not stopping uh, Brew from being eligible. So I don't know if that's going to stop. I know some of the Tennessee Twitter people, that's probably not going to stop them. They're like, they're probably still doing it. I don't know. But it seems what like. was that actually? Was that was terrible? Uh, Do it again. <laughs> Again. They're blocking them. California's blocking them. I don't know, whatever. Better. Is that's that better? better. Okay. Better. Uh, any thoughts on USC's statement? Either of you guys. I, I mean, I think the thing that uh, should, should be pointed out is that 
this could be USC saying, you, you know, that you're only, I think the new waiver rules are you're only allowed, you know, there's no longer the hardship necessarily, but now it's only if there's a disability or if there's immediate danger or harm to, to the player. So, you know, I think someone on one of the Twi the Tennessee uh, message boards actually had a good look at it and said, if that's the case, you know, the, then USC is probably going, they're being asked to sign off on some narrative where Brew was in some type of danger, was, you know, he was in harm uh, because of the, the back and forth with, with the female uh, that he was arrested for, later the charges were dropped, all that type of stuff. So if there's, you know, this environment, USC's probably been like, we're not going to sign off on anything that we can be sued for in the future. Um, so, or, you know, there could be an illegal issue. So maybe it's not just straight USC being like, you do whatever you want type of thing. Uh, so they're just kind of putting things in the NCAA's lap and saying, this is not us. You know, we're not really, we're not going to be involved. We're not going to be in the middle of this type of thing. Yeah. Like maybe USC is not going to do backflips to get them eligible, but they're like, hey, man, we're not blocking anything, but. And, and this all this all stems back to the fact that Brew McCoy was at USC, and then transferred to Texas, and then transferred back to USC, and now transferred to Tennessee. So remember, it's a one-time transfer rule that is now allowed in the NCAA. You know, after that, it goes back to you're supposed to set out a year. So you know, Brew McCoy was able to get the you know got a waiver to come back to USC, and then unfortunately he had the illness that didn't allow him to play. Um, I believe the 2019 season. So, you know, he comes back, was able to play some in 2020, and then this whole thing happens last year. Now he transfers out again, but he's already transferred twice, even though one of them was, you know, spring camp, basically after a couple of weeks to Texas and then coming back to USC. But in the NCAA's eyes, he's, this is his third transfer. So that's part of the, that's part of the big issue of the holdup for him and whether or not he can be eligible right now. All right. Speaking of wide receivers, uh, Jack, you want to read this one? We got a comment about, uh, Something about the wide receivers. I'll get you in here. Yeah, so Ed from YouTube says, who do you guys predict to be the starting wide receivers? I know this is something that Coach Riley talked about in our post-practice presser the other day, is that this is a position they're trying to figure out how much to rotate and who to rotate guys in. I think we all know how much talent the SE has at wide receiver right now, so Ed wants to know who do we predict to be the starting wide receivers. It's super easy, Ed. <laughs> One, two, <laughs> three, four. You, like, you think it. it's going to go that way? That's what it's been the last couple of days. Okay, so Gary Bryant is yeah. one. Brendan Rice gotcha. is two. Uh, this guy named Jordan Addison, who happened to win the Bulletin he's good. is three. And Mario Williams is four. That's an incredible receiving core. And <laughs> I think that's it. And probably you'll get, you know, CJ Williams off the bench, Terrell Bynum off the bench, stuff like that. You can go zero, one, two, three also. You can go Terrell zero, Bynum. one, two, three, yeah. I like one, two, that. Three, four. You're, the not question gonna get five. It, You're not going to get five, though. Obviously. Well, how do we get to 81? How do we get to the Cal Four? Uh, it's a long way to do it. Well, well, you, you, you can't go zero through five because you're only allowed five skill position players on the field. So you can go yeah. zero through four. But the question will be how many wide receivers do they put out there initially? Um, and they've got so many, you know, different ways that they can mix and match here. And that'll be kind of intriguing to see, you know, who matches up with who. Uh, do they try to get certain guys together on the field at the same time? Or is it just, hey, you know, you're rotating at one spot. Uh, but I, I think I would like to see them start out the season with uh, Relique Brown, Austin Jones, Travis Dye, in, out flexed out with a tight end and Darwin Barlow in the backfield. Let's go. Let's get let's get four running backs you're on the field crazy. at one time. You're crazy, girl. <laughs> I you're like crazy. that. I like the zero, like the one through four or the zero three, and then you could bring out the uh, 
the running back package, you know, Rayleigh Brown's in the slot. You know, I think that'd be a lot of fun, you know. Uh, I, I think you're definitely going to see Jordan S and you're definitely going to see Mario Williams. I think the third spot, I think that's the one that's the, the most intriguing. And uh, I think that because, you know, you're looking at Brendan Rice or Gary Bryant as those have been two of the guys with the ones. Um, if you're going with a, you know, a traditional three wide receiver set with a tight end and a wider and a running back, you know, who's that third guy? Is it Gary Bryant or is it Brendan Rice? Those are two completely different body types and you know, you can move them around and put them in different positions. Uh, but, you know, maybe based on what you're trying to get out of that drive or out of that specific play may determine which of those is the third guy that comes out there. That's so much speed. Like Jordan speed. Addison, low 4-5, probably 4-4 now. Gary Bryant, we know, is a 4-4, kind of 4-3 guy. Brendan Rice, while he's 6-2, he was running 4-5 in high school. And then uh, Mario Williams, maybe not top-end speed like those guys, but super quick and shifty. Like, so much speed with that with that. With the, with that unit, yeah, we got a and, and then you could team. potentially throw in, you know, or League Brown, and you got even more speed Shotgun, in there much, as well. How so. much League Brown stock are you sitting on? No, oh, I'm, 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 I'm just I'm still just buying low right now as much as possible. I don't know yeah. if it's low. I don't think it's low. I'm buying it's it's low right now for what it's going to be. I'm telling you. All right, I'll, All right. I'll text you after. I want I want to get in a, a little bit. Of that. I'm not going <laughs> to take as much as you have, but I, I want to get some. I want to get some early. It, uh, it's it's definitely notable when you see every time there are highlights, Riley Brown is in those highlights. Yeah. So that means he's making a play every single time they have a scrimmage. Every time if there's something you know a, a live period and it's being filmed and they're going to put together a little highlight clip, you see that 14 flying through there at some point. Or just Dillard, Dylan Baxter and him, him, you know, putting him out there. No, like, it's not Dylan Baxter. <laughs> it's not Dylan Baxter. You know, we, we could definitely Last tell this is different uh, from this in the one spring highlights and living off of that. Uh, but, Dylan, I mean, the, the, the crazy thing about Relief Brown, I wrote about him on Saturday, is that the number 14, I think, is the craziest part. And some people may look at it, hey, one plus four equals five because he's like Reggie Bush. And, you know, maybe that's why he's wearing 14. Skill players don't wear 14. I mean, there is what there's one guy that you can think of right now in football in general, and that would be Chris's boy, Stefan Diggs. But that was because in the NFL, he couldn't wear one at the time. He uh, wore one at Maryland, but then, you know, he's wearing 14 for the Bills. But in college, the number 14 is not a wide receiver number, it's not a running back number. Quarterbacks wear it. The last, you know, notable name at USC was Sam Darnold to wear 14. But besides that, you know, you have to go back a decade to, to look for, a, you know, a notable number, and that's quarterbacks. You know, you have to go back half a century to find, you know, you got to go back to like Don Hudson that it wore 14 as a wide receiver um, in the 40s or 50s. Like that's the last time someone wearing the 14, you know, really stood out. Or Bolitnikoff himself, you know, was the, ah. the two names that came up as the, the two big wide receivers to wear 14. Uh, so really Brown running back slash wide receiver. I, I think that's just going to, it's going to be intriguing to see it. I think it's going to, the fans that aren't keeping up with things, but are going to get super excited on September 3rd, you know, that are in the stadium. They're like 14. Who is this 14? What is a 14 doing out there? What is he making all these plays for? I got to know who this guy is. Um, so better read the article from Saturday. Cause really Brown's going to do some things. Two, nice. two questions. Do you think who scores a touchdown first CJ Williams or really Brown? Oh, that is a really good question, Chris. I, know, this is, why I only ask really good questions. It's uh, this, this is like the uh, the former Family Feud take it or leave it segment um, where Chris would come up with some, some really good ones. But I'm going to go with Relique in this one. Okay. Yeah, and just because I think there's so it's going to be hard for CJ, even though he's you know been getting some one reps, is to, to fully break into that rotation. I don't know. 
And I think Relik is such a dynamic playmaker that you can mismatch with with uh, defenders. That I think he'll get a little, a couple more opportunities earlier. Will Relik have his like true freshman Stephen Carr moment, where you know he broke off that like fifty seven yard run, that kind of uh, made everyone go whoa. Yeah, he'll have a whoa for sure. In the opener, that was the opener, right? Against Western Michigan, yep. Yeah, he uh, yeah. broke open that game in the first or second play of the third qu- or fourth quarter, and then I think Marvell Tell right after that had a pick six, and it went from being a six-point game or something to a blowout, and everybody was like, oh, yeah, Classic. we beat West- Western Michigan. Yeah. Jack, did you have something you wanted to chime in on? Yeah, Shoddy, is that a receiving touchdown for Relik or a rushing touchdown? <laughs> okay. you got to double down on the prediction if you've got so much stock in him. I've got stock in him. I don't have stock in what, what his uh, highlight plays will come. Um, I, I you know, just get the ball, the ball in the kid's hand, and let him make plays. So it might, it might even be a pass that is technically a run. How about okay, that? Now you're just getting weird with it. A swing pass to him. It, you know, it's technically a lateral, so therefore it's a run. It'll probably and now be a yeah. Let's get weird, Chris. Why not? Uh, it's Sunday night. If you guys don't know, so by the way, I just want to give a little props to Jack. Like literally Jack had about a half hour of training on how to run the board. And he's like crushing it. He's doing everything well. And then when he speaks, you're like, oh, because he does play by play. So like he has the radio voice and stuff. So you know, he sounds better than all of us already. I, I, I told That's people, terrible. I told people to pick up his rookie card. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, yeah, if you had the, like the Keeley rookie card like seven years ago, you've been like rolling in it. So I got like three, in a, I got three in a safe. Not, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you got to get the Jack rookie card. So thanks. You got to gotta tell me where I can find my own rookie card. Yeah, we got to get that. Like that, what are those NFT things? I'm sure there's something like that. I can get you guys that. special like <laughs> autograph versions that'll be worth more. Oh, line, I so. like that's good. Yeah, but it's not like you just hear. I'm like, oh, so it's like you know, listen to. It's like listen to butter. I like it. Um, all right, th- I did a poll. So as far as conference realignment stuff goes, I know that's kind of slowed down a little bit. But UCLA had their board of regents thing. There's like talk about. Could the governor or the you know the board of regents stop UCLA from going? I don't think any of that's going to happen. But there was definitely there was some emails and stuff that came out. There was a lot of negative feedback. Now, granted, I think this was early on, you know, from UCLA fans like this is terrible. We don't want it. And I think even the beginning when USC fans kind of started to digest it, it wasn't the. I mean, it was popular, but wasn't necessarily. It's a bunch of fireworks. We got fireworks going out there. Uh, wasn't the most popular thing, but I put a poll up on the Peristyle this week about. I didn't want it to be a debate, like if it's good or bad. Just like, hey, do you think this is a good thing? Is it positive? Uh, would do you want to go to the Big Ten? And it was ninety-five and a half percent. And I forget how many people voted. There was like thousand or whatever. Um, but it's overwhelmingly popular with the USC fans. So UCLA might be like second guessing themselves or whatever. It's no no question with USC. They want to be gone. Was they it want- essentially the same question we asked the day it broke? So we asked the day it broke on Twitter, and it was actually f- like fairly close. It was like 50-something percent, right, I think. On the, the but that was on Twitter. Was yeah. On, yeah. So Twitter, there's a, I have a lot of Pac-12 fans. But on the on the Peristyle, I think it was more in the 75-80% range that first day. So that's moved up now on, on the Peristyle to like 95, over 95%, which – Seems pretty high, you know. I mean, there's going to be people that like, you know, I, I want to do the weekender every year. And we don't know, you know, it, the Big Ten is you – know, the, the new media deal came out for the Big Ten. It means a – basically just means a boatload of money for all the, the, the Big Ten schools, which USC will now be one of them. You're going to make a ton of money. It's going to be good. Um, but, yeah, what does that mean going forward? It, but it sounds like there's an opportunity with the new media deal to expand further. And maybe they do get a few more West Coast schools so they have – that late time zone as well. Uh, if you like late kickoffs, it doesn't seem like USC and UCLA are going to be involved in many of them because 
you know, the game windows are the the 9 a.m. game, you know, on the West Coast, which probably not going to see a lot of USC in those or UCLA. But then you got the uh, the 12:30, which was the 3:30 game. CBS got USC will probably be at a bunch of those, and then the the primetime game on NBC. I think USC will be involved in a bunch of those too. So uh, I don't think the late night kickoff thing. If you're not a fan of that, I don't think you're going to see a lot of those in the Big Ten unless they sign some more West Coast schools. Then you're going to see that that uh, window as well. Shout out to CBS, the parent company. CBS, our parent company. The I. We got the I. We uh, yeah, got some. Got some uh, big games on there, so that's, that's gonna be a, fun. The Big Ten game. I'm a company man, a company shill, so yeah. Anytime I can. They play. sign the paycheck, so CBS, you know, so it's on my paycheck. CBS, so we're gonna we're gonna like it. Uh, Chris, I mean, uh, shotgun. <laughs> any thoughts on that? Chris is right here. Uh, I thought it was really interesting, uh, you know, how the the Big Ten has kind of set this up to be kind of that NFL model of where you want a game on basically all day long. So you have the early window game, you have that midday game, you have the primetime game. Now, maybe they don't have the the uh, the late night game at this moment, but if expansion continues and they pick up a couple more teams from the West Coast, then maybe you'll see, see that uh, start to happen a little bit too. But, you know, basically for an East Coaster, they're on – you know, throughout the entire day for you from from noon to to 10 p.m. So I, I think that they I thought it was really interesting how they set that up with the three primary companies that they did. Obviously, not being on ESPN, my question will then be, how much does ESPN promote the Big Ten? You know, does ESPN kind of forget about them, not show their highlights as much as they would previously because they don't want to be showing a competitor on their own station? So uh, I think that'll be interesting as as the as the progression goes of that, this media deal is to see what, how ESPN kind of responds to it. Because, you know, think about how ESPN has shown hockey, how much they show hockey now on their highlight packages and stuff versus what they were doing before, you know, during the 10 years, or whatever that they were not, uh, you know, affiliated with the NHL. Yeah. I was listening. I think it was Andy Staples and they had a good point that one thing the ESPN has done a really good job of, and they were talking about game day specifically. I mean, they got, they've gone to like, uh, North Dakota, you know, like they'll go places. They'll go to, uh, they, you know, they'll be at the big, they'll still be at, you know, at Michigan. They'll still be at the Coliseum. I think they're going to still continue to do that. Um, and it's just not as important to be like, oh, it's the highlight stuff. But I think having those early kickoff games, I think that's helped Fox a lot that 9 a.m. because you're whatever your big game is, every highlight show is going to be showing those games, you know, like the USC games. And when you're playing late at night, there's not a lot of opportunities to show highlights from that. So getting some of the earlier things, I think ESPN will still show that stuff, but you know, are they going to feature the ACC and SEC more? I would think so. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking more like, you know, when you have all their, their window of debate shows, like how much is the big 10 brought up then versus, Hey, there's an SEC topic that's similar value. They're definitely going to go with the SEC. Um, so I, I think that they're going to play favor to that. So it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, and it'd be interesting, you know, if someone did a study of, you know, what it is this this year or whatever versus in a couple of years, just the mentions of Big Ten teams and see if there is a disparity there um, across the network over a selection of days or whatever. Because, you know, the college football playoff show, yeah, they're still going to show it. College game day, they're still going to show it. I'm just thinking about in general, their general shows that aren't, you know, college football specific, I think it may be a little bit different. I think the playoff is going to be such a big part of this. And then, you know, the way the Big Ten's featured this is like NBC will be promoting the CBS game and and Fox will be promoting the NBC game because they're all going to be cross-promoting just like we see in the NFL. I think Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, 
his using this as an NFL model coming back from the NFL. And I think, you know, the reason he was blocking the playoff expansion then was because he wanted multiple bidders. So Fox and other, so I think CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN will all have pieces of the, of the playoffs and you're going to be promoting it. Like the playoffs are going to be, you know, they think that's going to be a billion dollar thing all on its own. So everyone's getting a piece of that. So you're not going to not talk about Ohio state because they're not on your, you know, like if it's a, if Ohio state's undefeated and they're a potential playoff team, you're going to be talking about them and stuff too. So I think it's going to be all right. And, and I don't think, you know, five years ago, if you weren't being talked about on first take or something at college football, it might've mattered. I don't think it really matters now. Like people aren't consuming that. Um, but you know, we got we got a young guy here in Jack. Like I don't think they're watching that kind of stuff. They're watching like stuff on demand. They're not like waiting to see what comes up next. And ooh, who are they talking about? You know, they're watching TikToks. You, yeah. No, I don't know. I'm watching football, not TikToks. Okay. Um, but you're watching the live broadcast. You want to yeah. see that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that I mean, SC fans have already had to deal with either Fox or ESPN. And I mean, we literally had a visitor in one of our classes last year who dealt with the programming of both of those games and they would Fox and ESPN would draft which game would show on which network at the beginning of each year. So I don't think it's going to be too big of a deal. Have you guys seen the overlay videos though of the CBS SEC music over like Big Ten and SC highlights? It's something no. that like after watching CBS football for a while definitely seems weird. Yeah, because all the, uh, the the SEC looks as that as their song and uh, I think it was, I forget, it might have been Andy Stables too where he said watch because he gets into all this stuff. He's like, it's not going to be an SEC song anymore. It's going to be a CBS song for college football. And I think SEC fans are like, what, crazy? And then there was a new commercial for Fox, right, that link, that you tweeted out about. What, you well, know? I didn't tweet. Well, I quote tweeted about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a big – was it Fox? It's a Fox Sports uh, – what is it? Like thing? the big, big new kickoff yeah. uh, preview for them. And Lincoln Riley pulls up in a Porsche, Lamborghini. I don't, Ferrari. Ferrari. It's a Ferrari. And he you know, throws the keys to uh, Brady Quinn. <laughs> So smooth, just so cool. He probably did it one take and it was it. It's like probably his car too. People were saying it was in uh, Palos Verdes, I think. That's where Ryan's, he lives. Ryan's probably uh, been there. Well, that's where he lives. So yeah. I know you probably have a story from that place. You're like, oh, uh, that no. might, that might. Well, I didn't. I don't. I have to go back and look. It could have been like so in PV. It might have been like Trump, like at the because no, they have a big valet place. Something else. Or like, Terranea. There like, it is. Terranea. Like. Yeah. So they have like pull up places where it's like fancy and stuff. Yeah, I just played golf there the other day. It's there nice. you go. Yeah, he just pulled up. Super cool. Was like, it's your car now. Bye bye. Go watch it. So cool. It's so cool. Go check that out. Um, yeah. So Cal Dad, which is the photo of the questions on the screen what do you guys think of the commercial with, with riley uh making a, a cameo there uh, but also you know it's a, it's a usc commercial because you got riley in there but you still got matt liner you got reggie bush so yeah. you know the former trojans obviously being on the the fox big noon show or the the countdown show beforehand so uh i, I think that you know usc is going to continue to get love from fox yeah Leinert well, had his lawn defaced with the the Michigan logo, so not a, <laughs> didn't get to pull up in a Ferrari. He had a painted lawn. Yeah, that's true. Um, he's a Manhattan Beach guy too. The, uh, they were all within South Bay, ten right? minutes of the the shoot or whatever. <laughs> and we were right here. We're like right, ten minutes of the studio where we are right now. I saw some like Duck Gorgon Duck fans like making fun of it. I was like. I didn't see Dan Lanning in that commercial, so I don't <laughs> Lanning Dan, whatever you call him. I call him Land Danning. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're doing the podcast champions. Plug. I can check you check that out. We got our we're gonna like pick all the games for the whole pack twelve this week on the show, so that should be a lot of fun. Um all right, well let's get to a question. I think that was all the topics I wanted to talk about. Uh we want to pull up some questions here. Uh so Jack can pull some up that he finds he's su uh, suitable and then we'll he'll read them off to us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, let's go with this one first from Brandon on Facebook. Got to show some love to the Facebook comments. Question, who do you think will be USC's bigger test, Utah or Notre Dame? Uh, I think Utah for sure. Uh, Utah's legit. Now, Notre Dame's ranked higher in the AP. Um, but, you know, first-year head coach. Utah's got all the guys coming back. Uh, road I, game. It's a road game. A not tough a environment. Game. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think Notre Dame's going to be pretty good. But I don't think they're a number five team in the country. Uh, Utah, I think, could be a top five team. I think Utah could be a borderline playoff type of team if you know things kind of go their way. But USC is going to be, you know, that's going to be probably the toughest. That's the toughest game for me. I don't know, any different, Shotty? No, I think it's Utah because of the environment. I mean, it's going to be the first time that you know, or the last time that USC potentially plays in Salt Lake City in the Pac-12. So you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be rowdy. I think the Mus is going to be going crazy because I think opposing fans are going to be going crazy at USC and UCLA. Um, it, without it just being a big game in and of itself. So I, I think it's going to be really fun out there. And I am I think I booked my flight to Salt Lake City the other day. So I'm excited to, to get out there for the first time uh, to, to, to be able to experience the must myself. Yeah, it's a great it's a great place. Uh, I think college game day. I haven't looked at the schedule. Undefeated, but even two if undefeated teams? Like, why wouldn't you want that? Or yeah. if Utah, you know, if they don't win at Florida, they can still run the table to get – there, I think they'll win Florida. Yeah, that's a big one for the Pac-12. Utah's got to win at Florida because you got the you know defending champ uh, playing a mediocre SEC team. You got to go, even if it's on the road. You got to go and get that win. Thanks for the question, though. Yeah. Next comment, Facebook uh, from Steve. This time, it's do you see a time when Miller Moss gets regular playing time that is not at the end of a game or during a blowout? So they don't have to unless be, like, you have an injury. Rotation. Yeah, like he'll. he'll They're play. not going to do it. It's not going to be a two quarterback rotation of any sort. So barring an injury uh, to Caleb Williams, you know, outside of end of game, you're not going to have a. He, he doesn't have a particular skill set that's drastically different than Caleb Williams. You know, it's not like he's a super mobile quarterback and Caleb Williams is a statue. And you say, hey, let's try to do something a little bit different. So otherwise, I, I think it would take an injury for him to get regular playing time without being at the end of a game at a blowout. But you know, Riley has been very complimentary of Miller Moss. And a lot of times when he gets asked about Caleb Williams, he brings up Miller Moss. So, I, you know, if they if the offense is humming like you think it's going to be, he's going to get a lot of playing time. So I think it's, you know, I think it's going to work out well. Uh, here's a question from Brandon that actually has to do a lot with, with Lincoln Riley's comments and his uh, post-practice presser the other day. Who will be the most improved player on both sides of the ball? And we saw that Coach Riley already started to name a couple people that improved just from spring to fall. So just about both sides of the ball, who do you think is the most improved player? What do you guys think? Are we are we talking? I guess just anybody or yeah, why not? Someone on offense, <laughs> someone on defense. I'm not ready. Uh, the first the first name that stands out to me on the offensive side um, would maybe be Kyron Ware Hudson. 
He's a guy that uh, I've heard a lot of positive things about, a guy that barely played at all last season, played a little bit, got a couple catches in the finale at Cal. Uh, that's the first name that pops to my mind on the offensive side. I think Mason Murphy is a guy that, that Lincoln Riley mentioned, and he's a guy that I think the more reps he gets just throughout his career, the better for him uh, because he just hasn't played football for too long. Uh, so those are the two guys on the offensive side that kind of stand out to me. I like Malcolm Epps. I think uh, I think he can. Oh, that's have, a good one too. I think he could have a really big year, especially with you know if Jude Wolf is going to be out for a while. I just I just have a feeling like you're like after like two weeks you're gonna be like, holy crap, Malcolm <laughs> Malcolm Epps is having like a huge. So I, I mean I, the talent's there, you know, transfer from Texas, but I, I feel like he could be someone that just becomes like he's a dude you got to talk about now. Like oh we got to talk about Malcolm Epps because he's just blowing things up. Uh, offensively, I would say Gino Quinones. I mean, that's someone who's mm. gotten praise from Lincoln Riley on multiple occasions. And, you know, we talked to him, I believe, last week, and he talked about how he feels like he's really developed under Josh Henson, even though it's been a short amount of time. Really good spring, really good summer. They need depth at that offensive line position. So you're hoping, you know, Mason Murphy, I think people are confident that he can, you know, develop a little more during the season when he gets some time. But Gino's another one as an interior guy because they need interior guys. So to actually get him on the field. He's only played in five games, and they were special teams games, so he has not played a game in college at offensive line. So that's a guy you really want to get. You want to reward him for all the work he's put in, see him out on the field, and get him some tape and see what it looks like. So I would probably say Gino, because that's someone whose name has been buzzing all of camp. Yeah. I think defensively, too, like the fact that Sierra Wright's been running with the ones, I think his name's going to come up there a lot. We've seen Kobe Pepe like getting some time with the ones there too, right? So he's been at least when we see those defensive drills, he's the guy that's out there. And if they're going to do a rotation on the defensive line, he's just someone I kind of like. Every time I see him out there, I'm like, he could be a dude, you know. So uh, maybe I'll pick him too. So the next question that we're going to bring up is, I think an interesting one. And then you bring up Malcolm Epps. It's from G Greens on YouTube: more receiving touchdowns from the tight end room or from the running back room? Receiving touchdowns. Uh, I'm I'm going running backs. I don't know what do you guys think. Like Austin Jones can catch the ball. Rayleigh Brown, if you're going to count him as that, I mean he can catch the ball. Uh, you know, Travis Dye can t- catch touchdowns. I'll go receivers. I mean uh, running backs. I'll just as a former tight end, I have to go with the tight ends, <laughs> even though I feel like it's close. But Malcolm Epps is obviously like six foot ten or whatever he is, so he's like really big target. And then Lake McCree is just. We know how talented he could be catching the ball. Yeah. Um, and that highlight, you know, he hurdled a dude for a touchdown. It's like, I think if they get going, I think they could consistently get some scores uh, week to week. So I will go with the tight ends. What do you think, Shawty? Break the tie. We knew that Chris was going to go with the tight ends because of how much stock he's had in the tight ends over the, se- over the years. I've lost millions. Uh, <laughs> so since my investment's been in really brown, I'm going to go with the running back room. Boom. I like it. I think the good thing, though, is if either of those groups has like a, a, a good touchdown total list, like that's going to be really good for this offense. Like if your tight ends are scoring a bunch of touchdowns, uh, your running back scoring a bunch of receiving touchdowns, it's probably mean the offense is really clicking, I would say. Still trying to find uh, a next question. Make sure you guys are leaving your question comments on Facebook. Yeah, put the YouTube. put put question on there so it's easier. It's it's you know you got to scroll through and find some. And Sh- I know Shadi, you had some written down if you want to go there too. Yeah, give, the, uh, the, give Jack the Meadows the Meadows able. I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, he said, "Which home game is the first sellout this season?" I thought that was a pretty interesting question. Ooh. Okay, so Rice Obviously is the, the opener. Sched- 
The schedule is Rice, Fresno State, and then Arizona State, Washington State, Cal, Colorado, Notre Dame is the home schedule this season. Sell out. I think the the biggest potential will probably be I mean, you could for Fresno, but I think because they'll bring some guys. I think Arizona State if might be. If they're undefeated, I think. I yeah, think because you, you, you would have gone on the road, beat Stanford. You would have beaten, and you probably State. beat the brains out of them. You go to Oregon State, and you win that one on the road. Where Oregon State was undefeated last year. Coming back for ASU, who knows what the Herm thing, like the Herm train might be off the rails by that point. Like, I I think there's some potential for that one. Coming back home, people are excited. This is 4-0. They're starting to talk about college game day for the Utah game. Like, I, that might be a sellout. I would say, like, the conference opener, Arizona State, I would go with that one. Conference home opener. Home opener, yeah. Yeah, two, I- two conference road games first. That's kind of weird, yeah. We got another question. This one about rotation from Craig on YouTube. Does Alex Grinch use a lot of subs, or will we see him run a lighter ship on defense or a tighter ship on defense? So we also have a question on YouTube is how do you guys feel about defensive rotations because former players that played under Grinch complained about rotating too much at OU. Um, So I think that kind of lends itself together there that you're going to see rotations. Now, do they trust – how many players do they trust at each position I think is going to be the question – um, and, you know, they've got a lot of talented young players. So I think they're, even the older players that may start, you know, they want to get some of those young guys some opportunities. So, you know, we'll see how the rotations kind of work out themselves, uh, whether it's, you know, it, it all comes down to how many players do you trust? Because you're not going to throw somebody in there if you don't trust them. And that's that's uh, the key thing. And, you know, whose decisions that come down to? Usually it's the position coach that decides how deep that rotation actually goes. Yeah. Hey, we're at 84 likes. We need to get over 100. So get, hit that like button on you if you're on YouTube. And if you're on Facebook and stuff too. And if you're on Twitter, retweet us. Do all that kind of fun stuff. I think what Shadi said is interesting too because we heard Coach Riley after the practice the other day just say that they, they've got five or six guys on the interior D line that they want to play, that they want to get out there onto the field. So you're going to see a lot of rotation there. But I think, I think Shadi's right that it's just based on how many players they trust and how many guys that they want to see out there on a football field. And, you know, if you rotate in the defensive line, Everyone does that, right? You want to keep fresh bodies. You want to get after the quarterback. You're going hard every snap. You're going super hard every snap. If they're not going to rotate the linebackers, the weird part will probably be if you're like moving corners in and out and stuff like that. Like, maybe people don't. You want to get a rhythm. You want to feel like, hey, I got an idea for what this receiver's doing. Oh, I get taken off the field. Like I could see that being the potential issue. But otherwise, I don't think there's going to be a problem with that. Uh, you guys want to go next one? or Shadi, did you have any more questions lined up? Yeah, we always have questions over here. Um, Andrew asked, uh, does Miller Moss have QB2 locked up? That's a yes. You know, uh, you don't want to get to QB3 and have Jake Jensen in there, guys. A junior college transfer, bounce back from uh, BYU. Uh, Big T, want to know, Ryan, yes. who are the five most yoked players coming out of fall camp? Oh. And now that you've used my camera, you've got a chance to you know get, get a, oh. a a pick of guys up close. So who are your five? At least three. Give us three. If you get to five, we'll get to five. Yoked players. Okay. Unofficially um, brought to you by Muscle Milk. I like, ooh, fit corporate sponsor. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a like, little bit. We could do a real sponsor here for the Tunnel Vision. Um, that's tough. Uh, let's see. I like, uh, I mean, I, I think let's do relative yoked. So, like, I'm going to do relative like what we've seen it before. Like, to me, like, Caleb Bullock looks so much better than he did last year. I would I would say on a, a relative scale. So you're not just going by <laughs> like total yoke. You're going like pound for pound. You're not going. We can, you're, uh, you're not. You're going to do total. You're not yokas. going with off the bus. 
Rankings. Do off the bus. Okay, so yeah, first five think, off the bus. I think Romello Height is like one of the dudes yeah. you have to have, mm-hmm. right? Like even with his yellow jersey, he still looks like a, a just a, a man out there. Um, I, I think I would put Cortland Ford on the list. Uh, he's someone I want coming off the bus. He looks just yoked, yoked, yoked. Uh, I, you know, um, that's two. Shane Lee, yeah. I think he would be on the list. He's got to be, you know, the two SEC guys coming in. There were uh, times when I was looking at him trying to figure out if he was wearing pads or not. <laughs> when he was out of pads. It took me a second. Uh, those would be my top three. Like, pound for pound, though, I would I would definitely put Bullock in there. I like uh, I like what I saw from uh, Michael Jackson early on. He's now – he's been out for a little bit. Um, it, you know, uh, for uh, – Josh Jackson too. I think he's he's looking. He's got he was at like the jersey was like half jersey. You could see he just looks like he's a, a ripped dude. I don't, anyone other guys you guys would uh, put in that list? Well, I think Corey's first off the bus as well. Corey Foreman, yeah, we get to see him. He looks good. Yeah, but you you've seen him, especially if he has. We want to see him in pads. Yeah, he's got the, that's the what I, that's what all the fans want to see. Bucket hat on, uh, sneakers on the sideline because we're mostly seeing that. I think Voorhees is there. Any guys that can, you know, drop forty on the two twenty five bench press, probably a yeah. guy you want to come off the bus pretty early. That's true. I like that. Yeah, he's a tough one. All right, great, good one. We got a question from the beginning of the show, Andrew on YouTube. Question: Which coach is the loudest when coaching? Alex Grinch. Yeah, I was saying Grinch. <laughs> no contests. Well, he no he, contest. he has the most volume of screaming, right? But I think he's the loudest too. He's. I just want. I would watch him mic'd up doing anything. You did mention that. I wouldn't want to be yelled like I don't. I don't think if Alex Grinch is in a room yelling at me, uh, there's one thing I don't want Sean Nua yelling at me. Like I would, ra- <laughs> I would rather him not be yelling at me than almost anybody else. Is that is that fair? Does that make us? I think that's fair. That's usually the case with any defensive line coach. Just yeah. look at the ones that USC's had recently. Uh, you, you know, you don't want Kenichi Daisy yelling at you. You don't want Chad. Uh, our, Kawa Aha. Um, you don't want Vic so- You definitely don't want Vic Soto yelling at you. You don't want to be on his bad side. So I think any defensive line coach, usually that's the guy you want to kind of stay away from uh, getting yelled at if you're in a room, especially. Maybe you can outrun them if you're in a field, but you know if you're in a room, you're in trouble. I think Zach Hansen would scare me the most because he's such a nice, <laughs> sweet guy, although he's huge. But if he was yelling at me, he'd be like, uh oh, there's something really wrong. You know, it's like mom using their middle name or something. If she never does that, you're like, uh oh, I'm in trouble now. I, I think that, um, I think it was Malcolm Epps that said, uh, you know, he's a cool dude and everything. Uh, but when, if he yells at you, you know, you messed up, basically. So he doesn't yell very often, but when he does, it has definitely has some impact. Yeah. Another question about uh, the punter this time. SoCal Dad back on YouTube. How is the Aussie punter looking? Very blonde. Yeah. <laughs> He looks like it's we don't Mike. really see them punt at all because there's no like under Helton we would have like an hour and a half of special teams. Yeah, we can't to watch, so we don't really <laughs> we don't get to see, see punt. We can't tell you lot. booming punts. Yeah, but I can tell you he's got a great nickname, Sleepy. That's his name, Sleepy. Sleepy. Um, I love it. But Riley said both those specialist spots are still up for grabs. So yeah, Seems like Dennis Lynch is uh, giving Alex Dadhouse a run for this kicking job. Dennis Lynch, very popular player. Um, yeah, like if Sleepy was like if you said he came up, you know, he's a freshman from La Cunada High School, like you wouldn't, you would, you would be like, yeah, I could see that. But he's hear from him talk. Then you hear him talk, talk. It's different. Then he's. Not, I haven't heard him talk. I want to hear. Him. I know we haven't heard him either. And to to go off of what I said last week, I said that you know he has a relative that had punted at at uh, I believe it was Arizona State and Iowa. That was his older brother. 
Um, I confirmed going through all the bios and stuff. Aiden Sleep Dalton, a great name. Yeah. I believe his brother was Michael Dalton. So, Uh, so his brother's Michael, and then he gets the Aiden. Two A's. Yeah. A A Ron. And, you know, it's funny. I think I've mentioned this before. I looked up, I was looking him up on some, like, you know, Australian kicker site and they had ai they didn't even have it spelled right but then the usc roster has it aa so i i remember you mentioned that and i saw him like listed online as ai and i'm like oh but whatever yeah so we'll get to see him when you guys get to see him maybe you don't want to get to see him against rice i don't know you might never see him against rice but uh at some point you're going to see him punt the ball we got another comment what area do you th- do you guys think our defense will finish at by season end? They're asking like top ten, top fifteen, top twenty. I would assume they mean nationwide. Uh, but there's another comment about whether we'll be top five in the Pac-12. So uh, thoughts on the defense? Oh, that's, that's that's interesting. And then it depends. Like like the the antiquated stats are like what total defense and stuff. Like what are the yeah, what are the cool stats I for think defense? We went like off points total. per drive or total like. Well, we kind of got a similar question to this on the composite two star plug um, oh yeah but you guys were way off by the way i listened oh like gerard thought oklahoma had like i a... i wasn't off okay i was right where i needed to be well your partner was so you're the, host. You the question like was the right where direction. where does usc's defense need to be ranked to get to the pac-12 championship and to be a playoff contender yeah but what what shaka what should we use like what metric like total defense is kind of antiquated right like i mean points per game is Pretty standard. I mean, points have obviously gone up. So if you're comparing this year versus some other year, that doesn't necessarily work. You know, comparing it to, you know, 2000 even or 1950, that doesn't work. But if you're comparing it to where they are nationally ranked this season, I think that, you know, is pretty standard across the board. So you don't necessarily have to have a number of points per game. Last year, they gave up over 30 points first time ever at USC. They've given up more than 30 points and ranked 103rd, I believe, out of 130 F. BS teams. So, you know, if you're in the hundreds, that's not very good. Um, and so I think to, to answer the question that Chris and them got, I think you have to be at least top 50 to yeah. be in that. And I think you can still score a ton of points to be able to overcome uh, a defense that's in the 40s or, or whatever. But I think you got to at least be top 50 to be in that, that conversation. Well, we kind of looked it up, and I don't think you need to be top. I think you need to be top 100 for sure. But I think what I went with is like 75 to 76 because Oregon was in that range when they made the uh, Pac-12 championship last year. So yeah. I don't think you need to be top 50. They did it obviously get, helps to be top 50. They got boat race there. I think to win the, I think if you're going to win the conference, you're probably going to be a top 50 type of defense. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think top half of the Pac-12 is also uh, reasonable – um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of upside for this defense, but there's a lot of pieces being put together, new schemes and all that stuff. So I'm not expecting that. But I, I think, true, there, you're going to see more drive. So you might give up more points. So I want to see what that points per drive number is. So I think that's a little bit more accurate. But USC was terrible at that last year, too. I mean, this was a historically atrocious defense for USC. Um, all the metrics, whatever metric you're looking at, was bad. So it's going to get a lot better. You know, is it going to get to like a top 25 defense? Probably not. But I mean, if you're in like the 25 to 50 range, I think that's going to be, I mean, it's a huge, huge improvement over the previous year. Plus, you're going to have an offense that just scores a bunch of points. It's going to be fun to do my stat tracking piece every week last year, which is brutal. 
Like, like, why, why am I doing these? Everything. The holdup, though, is like USC is not going to jump into being a top 10 defense immediately. They just no. don't have the players for that yet. They don't have the horses. You know, they've added some really big pieces, obviously. But how many guys on this defense are being talked about as potential first or second round draft picks? There's a couple. But it's not like, oh, they got six, seven guys that could potentially be first, second round picks. That's the type of defense that it takes to be a top 10, top 15 uh, style of defense. Yeah. Well, we're getting uh, we're past the, the hour. I mean, we have, we have some more questions, guys. We can rapid fire some. We got, we got one more good one so far. Brandon's just carrying the show with all these Facebook comments. Oh, he, he loves you, the Facebook. Yeah. Do you think that USC will be the most penalized team in the Pac-12 again this year? I know that SC fans, <laughs> just the, it is a plague, all the penalties they come through. Do you think that changes under Lincoln Riley? I think it was Arizona State last year. I don't think USC was... It might have been number of penalties or penalty yards or something, but ASU USC was, was one of the worst in the country, though. Yeah, ASU I think was. I, the say, worst I think ASU one. was worse, but USC was like <laughs> they were like in the bottom five in the in the nation. Right. So I think they'll be a lot more disciplined, and I think they won't have as many boneheaded. You're still going to have boneheaded uh, flags from time to time, but I think they'll be a lot more disciplined. But like Riley said, you still want that aggression, so they're still going to get flagged. So I will say no. Yeah, they'll go from bottom to middle, but here's two a couple of things. Like you said, there's going to be aggression, uh, new guys coming in, and you know people trying too hard. But you ever like this Shakespeare thing? Like he doth protest too much. Like when we heard it, Pac-12 Media Day, USC and UCLA are going to be treated. You know, they're going to everyone. They're not going to be treated poorly. And Merton Hanks, the uh, you know, uh, what's he's the director of football or whatever the Pac-12. I forget his title. Same thing. Like you know, they made a point of we're not going to like screw these guys over, which. Basically means we're probably going to screw these guys so over. So you heard we're <laughs> so going to screw these guys over. That, that from what you're, if you're going to say it over and over again, like no one asked you. Like no one even asked them about like how they were getting treated. Like someone did afterwards, uh, but to bring it up multiple times, that's telling me they're getting ready because probably these guys are going to get screwed over a little bit. Wow. So okay, that's that's my theory. Okay, so, but I think they'll be a lot more disciplined. The accountability stuff is there. Like if you make if you commit a dumb penalty, you're probably coming off the field. And like before. Um, Unless you had fav- you know you had favored status, you didn't come off the field. Uh, I think that's not going to be the case here. So I'm going to go middle of the road. Pac-12 penalties. I, I think they'll still be in the bottom of the Pac-12. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's going to go back to even like the Pete Carroll days where they were still you know they were still among the worst in the conference uh, somehow. Uh, but last year, I just looked up USC was number 126. Out of 130 teams for fewest penalty yards per game at 75 penalty yards per game. But they were not last in the Pac-12. You were correct, Ryan. All right. I know my Pac-12. Arizona State was bad. That is, that's going to be a fun one. That, that Arizona State game, man, holy cow. Like, it might be too early. Like, it would have been great if USC was playing Arizona State later on. Because, I mean, we don't know when the NCAA decision is going to come down. Like, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. They had to get rid of most of the staff. It's going to come out uh, Thursday of that week. So many transfers. Uh, you know, Eric Gentry might have a huge game in that one. I don't know. That's it's going to be. That's a, that's 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 like must watch TV. Arizona State. You got to just watch what happens there because it's probably not going to just be like Herm Edwards getting fired. It'll be like Ray Anderson. Like they might get rid of Michael Crow. Like maybe the worst president in Pac-12 history. The guy that really enabled Larry Scott to ruin the conference. USC and UCLA leaving. Like so much. Like Arizona State was kind of the center of just crushing the Pac-12 and everything. So it could be a lot happening. There could be some fireworks in Tempe this year. We'll see. I know one thing that Chris wanted to talk about an instant the other day that's kind of just something interesting after wrapping up fall camp is 
what Coach Riley mentioned is we're making this transition now out of fall camp. Kids are starting school, and we've got classes tomorrow, and then just finding and making that schedule. So maybe to, to wrap it up in overall thoughts about fall camp and then this new transition, because Rice in a couple weeks, what that what that transition is going to look like. By the way, Jack's got school tomorrow. This is a school night for him. 10 a.m. <laughs> 10 a.m. Monday through Thursday. Wow. I'm going to have a I miss class nightmare today. I still get like one a year. Like, oh my God, I overslept for my philosophy final. I haven't been in college in like nine you, years. You have a sympathy nightmare for Jack, so that's good. Yeah. Why is Jack oh. starting so late? That's the better question. 10 a.m. Come on, you got to get those 8 a.m. classes, get everything done with before lunchtime. 10 a.m. is the was perfect. I, 10 a.m. is the Was perfect. I the only one that had 8 a.m. classes? Oh, no, you know, this was. Dude, I was an engineer, man. We had all 8 a.m. classes. It was crazy. <laughs> Second semester freshman year, I thought I was so smart because I laid out my class schedule so I had Friday off. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't realize I had every class 8 a.m. <laughs> and I missed so many art discussions because I would take a nap and I would just never wake up. Nice. You guys would be jealous. I've got – I have no Friday classes and I only have to start at 10. 10 is like the perfect whoa. time though. It gives you time to get breakfast, but you're not like way too asleep. And, but you do also get out of bed so you're, you're not, you know, wasting your whole day away and waking up at noon. Yeah. My, my college had compulsory attendance. So, uh, you know, we could only miss a certain amount of classes. And as a baseball player, that means you had to be at every class if you wanted to be able to go on all the road trips. So. I, I don't even want to know what your sleep schedule was like, uh, college shotgun. Cause you're 2 a.m. to 7.48 a.m.? Because the first 8 o'clock class. Yeah. He's like, he got 12 minutes to get up and go to class. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., somewhere in there. That was usually the His sleep His adult time. sleep schedule makes college – you know, students cringe. So I don't know. Like this is that's <laughs> all very similar. <laughs> anyway. All right. Do we want to wrap wrap up with uh with that, or we want to do some uh, rapid fire here? What's the what's the word, Ryan? I think we. Do you have some good rapid fire ones you want to do? We could we could do a couple. I think we got a couple. All right, let's do a Andrew, couple more, and then we'll wrap it up. Jack, feel feel free to jump in here as well. But Andrew asked, uh, which position group is the biggest concern? Uh, just rush ends from a health would, standpoint. Yeah, I think just. The depth there, I like. I think the Russians could be effective, but there's not a lot of not a lot of depth. I'm still concerned about the defensive line. I know Thule is a monster, but I want to see those other guys make some plays first. All right, fair. Uh, what What do you guys expect the attendance to be like for the home opener? Popping. I agree. I think it's going to be like sixty-eight thousand announced, sixty-nine thousand, something like that. I'll get seventy, baby. Let's go. You think it's seventy? All right, 70. we'll see. What, what's the sellout now, Ryan? Seventy-three. Seven, that... I think. Seventy-seven, right. something. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm doing a little research to see. Like people have asked on the Peristyle. If you're not a member, by the way, uscfootball.com, VIP membership. You can post on the Peristyle. That the message board is bonkers right now. Just, if you put up a, a post and no one responds, and like in the first hour, it's like off the front page. It's crazy. Uh, but go check it out for a dollar. You can go sign up and, and get that out. But people were asking on the Peristyle about some of the ticket sales. So I'm, I'm doing a little digging into that, but everything we've seen has been positive. And I think the, you know, any events I've done, fans are very happy. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of people in there. So yeah, you might maybe get 70 for the opener. It's, it's rice, but uh, what's it? 3, 3 p.m. kickoff. Yep. It's also packed all network. So you can't really watch it as easy. So that might help attendance a little bit too. Got a lot, lot of excitement right now. Uh, Roman asks, any chances that uh, Damani Jackson wins a starting position by midseason? He's hurt right now, so he's a little bit behind. But, yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, he's got enough. I, I think I asked – I think Dante about him. The first thing he said was, like, just speed. And, uh, you know, when you got talent like that, 
speed, speed for days. You can get on the field. So, yeah, I think he could win it. He should have been an honorable mention for the five most yoked players, too. And he, he was running the sprints oh, the other boy. day with the shirt off as we were after practice. He, oh. he definitely deserves to be on that yoked list. And he's still fast. So, I mean, uh, Lincoln Riley talked about Marquise Brown and the, the post-practice presser couple couple days ago saying he earned himself one of the you know the top receivers in the country after being on the scout team preseason so i think damani jackson with all that talent like it could happen nice i like it racer x asked do you see any late transfers coming in i do not see any uh no. socal dad asked so Tuli could be the edge rusher that is a possibility i think i think it was lincoln riley that mentioned that maybe it was alex grinch uh that said that he has been out there a little bit PDX asked, who registers the first TD, and then who on the defensive side re records the first turnover? Real quick, I love the Racer X name, by the way. I mean, I, I, I wore the Speed Racer Speed shirt. Racer. Yeah, Speed Racer was such a good show. Oh, my God. Like, that was, you know. But anyway, all right. Uh, first touchdown. It's a Mario Williams touchdown. That, I was going with Mario Williams as well. It's hard to not go Mario Williams, but. I'm, he's, he scored in pretty much every scrimmage or he scored in the spring game in both the scrimmages, I believe. So, you know, he's been a guy that's getting in the end zone pretty repeatedly. And uh, the first defensive turnover, is that what it was? Yeah. Hmm. I'll say Thule strip sack. I'll go Romello height strip sack. Yeah. Kalen Bullock, INT. There you go. Nice. You see, you Eric, Eric Gentry, middle of the field, INT. Oh, okay. Could be. Jack, I like uh, he's got some he's got some talented guys out there that can make some plays. Uh, Big T asked, there's a lot of positives coming out of fall camp. He said, what, are, in your opinion, are the two most uh, – the areas of biggest concern on the team right now? I mean, I think that defensive front just – I mean, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic, but there's definitely, you know, some concerns there. And, you know, specifically just the – the rush ends just not having a, a whole lot of bodies there. I think that's a, a concern too. I don't have a whole lot of concerns on the offensive side of the ball. Like I think they're just going to score points. Like what do we heard from like Graham Harrell talk about all these different things. Like all you got to do is score points, like score a bunch of points and they weren't <laughs> scoring a bunch of points. They're going to score a bunch of points. Like however you do it, if you're running the, the I formation, if you run the triple option, I don't care. This looks like an offense is just going to score points where they, the other offense would trip over there on themselves. They couldn't score in the third quarter, all that kind of stuff. So my concerns would mostly be on the defensive side of the ball. Alan wanted to know, has there been more focus on technique under Lincoln Riley's regime than Helton's? The hype videos show a lot of unique drills for different positions. I would say yes, having not seen it in person as much as you guys, but just you know the, the conversations that I've talked with some players and stuff from the workouts, seeing all the stuff that they did during the – Summer workouts, you know, the different change of direction, you know, the pop stuff that they were doing, their big grid patterns that they did. I think all that stuff is is focusing on techniques that you're going to use on the field. Yeah, a lot of technique stuff you can see in practice with those individual drills. And they just have so much more on-field support staff with their GAs and student assistants. Like every position has at least two guys and they can break them up into two groups when they're doing indos and they can really get hands-on to kind of break it down like that. So. You see a lot of that in, in the, our window of practice. Yeah. Dave, David want to know, do you see Relique Brown getting some touches? If so, how do you think he'll be utilized? Do you see a little bit of Reggie Bush in him? We kind of answered this last week. Um, do you see a little bit of Reggie Bush in him, just in the, the fact that he can catch the ball in the backfield? He is very elusive, and he has speed. Uh, but I, I think we've talked a little about him. Another question that included Reggie Bush, any chance we see him lead the t team out of the tunnel? And then Renee Cortez asked, any thoughts on Snoop Dogg leading the team out? I think Snoop Dogg is a you know a much more viable option just because Reggie Bush is going to be on the Fox kickoff show, so he will be wherever 
that show is. So yeah. unless you, they are doing a USC show, it would make it very difficult for him to be able to do that. Yeah, Reggie's working, but Snoop, I'm not sure he's working. working doing stuff, but you know, not necessarily on Saturday. <laughs> Probably not Saturday. You know, early mornings I or want, afternoons. I yeah. want Shaq to lead us, at, lead the team out. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No connection at all. If His Lakers, son went to Lakers, UCLA baby. for a little while. Lakers, baby. Yeah, Tell if, me you don't want Shaq if, out there. Come on. If, if Bronny like ends up at USC, like LeBron James lead the team out of the tunnel, that would be kind of fun. Could be. Yeah. Uh, cracking a question, just a logistics question. Which network gets a broadcast when it's a say a Big Ten versus the SEC non-conference matchup? Usually that goes to the home team. Is that not right? Cor- correct, Ryan? Yeah, there should be home games. Yeah, so those that's where you know. So like, if USC was playing like at Old Miss, like that could be on ESPN. You know, something like that. So, uh, but the the home games are where you're. You know, those are the ones you own the the rights for, like the grant of rights thing. So like for the ACC, like they sell their grant of rights and everything. That's all I think. If they left, like the ACC would still own their home game rights, like the TV revenue and all that kind of stuff. That's why the none of those schools uh, can leave unless there's some legal challenging, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. And final question comes from Todd. I'm going to direct this to you, Chris. Uh, how many additional recruiting commitments are expected before the season starts? Obviously, you and Gerard had a number that both of you guys threw out there a little while back, and USC is now at how many is it? Is it 14, 16? 16? 16. Wait, is that part of the question? Or is it the, no, they were just saying, how many additional do you oh. think uh, before the season starts? I think Gerard had said, one of you guys 18. said 20. No, Gerard said 18. Chris Gerard, said 16. Gerard said 20, oh. and then he backed it. We had a like a little reevaluation if you wanted to change your number, <laughs> and he went down to 18. I said 16, and I'm at 16. I think you could see upwards of two maybe three but i would say in the next two weeks and the next two weeks yeah i think you could see two um i definitely think we're gonna there you're gonna see at least one possibly um but yeah Gerard has a shot to get to his 18 but i don't know if we're doing like over like if they get 17 i lose i bust it price is like right 21. yeah i don't i don't <laughs> price is right champion over here uh, this yeah guy knows. this guy knows his uh his price is right. Uh, but yeah, I would say one or two. I think you're either going to get, you're either going to be at 17 or maybe 18. Sweet. All right. Well, that was a really fun show. I definitely want to give a round of applause to Jack, who's just crushed it on the board. Thank you so much, dude. Like, sounds good when he's talking. He's pulling up our comments, doing all the different, uh, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff you're going to do on the board, putting up pictures and different camera angles and all that stuff. I mean, I literally showed him in like five minutes and he just did it. So that was great. So it was, it was it. more, it was more than, a minute. I don't want to take too much credit. It was, it was like half an hour. We were about to start the show without the lights. He's like, do you guys turn the lights on? Like, Oh yeah, good idea. So we we're doing all this stuff. So, but thanks uh, Jack for doing that. You can check out, he's a, a sophomore journalism student at USC. So he'll be doing a bunch of stuff on the site this semester. So uh, check out some of the stuff there. He Plug did Plug the Twitter. It's an analysis. It's on, it's on the screen. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Got to you. Got to follow him on Twitter, uh, Jack Smith PXP, which yep. is play by play. So go check it out. Um, yeah, and stuff. So thank you, Shotgun, for joining us all the way from the East Coast. I know it's late there, and Chris Trevino reluctantly sitting here next to me. I hope they had a good time. We got it rolling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. All right, and thanks to everyone out there. If you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook on Twitter or you're listening on the podcast or any of the replays afterwards. So thanks for really being a part of the show. It's a lot of fun when we get to have 
interactions with the live part of the show and you guys send in your questions and stuff. We're going to love getting back to doing the live calls again, too. Makes the shows a little bit longer, but that's okay. We'll have some fun with that. Um, but thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. School starts tomorrow. We're getting ready. Countdown 13 days or a little less until USC kicks off against Rice. So hope you guys all enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Like and subscribe.